Well, good morning. You guys all doing well? Doing all right? Don't fall asleep this morning. I got a whole pile of blocks in front of me, so I've been working on my pitch. What we're going to talk about this morning at first glance doesn't seem nearly as spiritual as what we've been, what we've been doing this morning. But the truth, of, the truth of the matter is, this is just as spiritual. I, I mentioned last week that Jesus talked more about money matters in the Gospels than he talked about heaven and hell combined. That's not because heaven and hell don't matter. They matter, they're eternal, Right? Heaven and hell do matter. So why did Jesus talk about money matters so much? Because he knows how much money matters consumes us. That money isn't just this separate compartment of our life that just kind of lives on its own and, and has its own effect. That money actually has an effect on every other compartment of our life. That's why last year the number one cause of divorce was money matters. So if money was just this neutral thing that didn't affect the rest of it, then, then we probably wouldn't talk about it. But we do think about money. We get anxious about money. We worry about money. And so last week we started talking about, just from the wisdom literature of Scripture, started talking about some habits, that if we would put these habits in our lives, we would have um, less frustration when it comes to money. And so if you weren't here last week, and by the way, when you came in, hopefully you got one of these cool uh, bookmarks. And uh, these seven habits are actually listed on the bookmark, and you can kind of keep that around and, and carry that around but last week we started talking about the first habit is a habit that it's not even doing anything yet it's just thinking it's thinking like a manager that if I'm going to gain financial freedom in my life I've got to begin to realize that that I am not the owner I am a temporary steward of what God has entrusted to me and it really is God who has entrusted the money that I have we like to think no it's because of me it's because of my education because of my hard work ethic all that and all those all those obviously are contributors but if you wouldn't have been born in a country that gave you education all the way you know through high school if you if you wouldn't have the physical ability in, in your body that God gave you you wouldn't be able to do those things and so everything that we have comes from God. And I need to approach my money with, with, a, with a, a sense of stewardship. So it's thinking like a manager. The second habit that we talked about last week is a habit of hard, honest work. There's no get-rich-quick schemes that are going to help you to have financial peace or financial margin. You are going to have to work. You're going to have to make sacrifices. This is going to be hard. And this is why so many people are broke. Because we don't want to put the work into it that we have to put into it. The third habit is the habit of just keeping good records. And I'm telling you, as much as you don't want to hear it, if you would begin to keep good records of your finances, you would begin to see a change just instantly. Just from that habit, you would begin to see a change. So this morning what I want us to do is to talk about three more habits. And to help us to get to those habits, what I'm going to do is use some just blocks that you would find in a, in a kid's room. And uh, I think these will help us to understand the next three habits that we're going to talk about. What I have with these blocks is I want to illustrate to you 100% of your income. Okay? Now, everybody has a different level of income. The median income that, that you have in your family might be different than the person that you're sitting next to. But, but we all have 100% of our income, right? 
or at least we start out with it. So, so these big green blocks are going to represent 10%. So we've got 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70. And then I've got some red blocks. They're half of that. So that's going to be, what was I at? 70, 75, 80, 85, 90. 95, and then I've got a two-thirds, so that's going to be, what, 97? Someone help me with the math. 98, 99, 100. 100%. I did it. I got through the, the part of my sermon I was the most nervous about. Yeah, give him a hand. All right. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and so we, we all have 100% of our income. We start out with 100% of our income. How, how do we spend that? That's what, that's what we're going to talk about in the next three habits. And, and I, would love, I would love to tell you that, 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 that you have control over this first one. But honestly, you don't have control over this first one because it just kind of, for most of us, happens automatically. Maybe for you it doesn't. But the first category, and this isn't your habit yet, the first category is, everybody say it with me, tax. We're just going to put this aside. Listen, I'm just a messenger. I'm just a messenger. And when it comes to tax, the average, the average household in Ohio right now is paying 20, 8% goes to tax. Doesn't that make you happy? Now, here, here's what I would like to tell you regarding this 28% that goes to tax. I would like to tell you that Jesus was once confronted about paying taxes. And uh, it was a gotcha question. And Jesus said this. In fact, uh, we'll put this up on the screen. It's from Matthew 22. Jesus says, give to Caesar. Or the word give could actually be pay. Pay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. And give or pay to God what belongs to God. So listen very clearly. You need to pay your taxes. In fact, turn to the person next to you and say, pay your taxes. Pay your taxes. You need to pay your taxes. Now, here's the good news. We live in a democratic republic where we can actually, with a representative government, we can let our representatives know that we don't like paying 28% to the government so they can decide how they're going to spend it and then tell us what a gift they are to us. Just my opinion. But right now, the average is 28%. It's going to taxes. Most of you don't even know it. Most of it just happens. Now, now, okay, there's a caveat. You will pay more than 28%, you know, in taxes, right? Because this is just basically income. This is the stuff that comes out automatically from your paycheck. We have gas taxes. We have sales taxes. We have all kinds of hidden taxes. So those of you out there that are going, it's more than 28%. I got you. I, I hear you. But it's 28% right away out of your income, right? The next, the next category is a category that's actually going to be our fourth habit, and it's the habit of paying God first. Paying God first. Would you say that with me? Paying God first. The Bible talks about it, and if you're not a follower of Jesus, I guess you can ignore this one, but the Bible talks about something called the tithe. In fact, the tithe literally means tenth, or in our vernacular, we would call this 10%. And the Bible says this in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, and if you've been around church world, you've heard this, you know this, but he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. 
put me to the test. Literally the only place in scripture where God says, test me. In fact, other places in scripture say, do not put the Lord your God to the test. But in the matters of money, you can test God in this. And if you don't tithe, I would encourage you, put God to the test. Test him. Mark it on your calendar for three months. We're going to try God. We're going to test God. And see if he doesn't come through for you. Now, now, tithing is not a magic bullet. It's not this, you know, well, if you, if you wave this magic wand of tithing, all of a sudden all of your money matters go away. No, you've got to be diligent. You've got to be prudent and wise with the rest of the 90%. You've got to, for instance, you've got to pay your taxes. So you have to use wisdom with the rest of the 90%. But if you will use wisdom with the rest of the 90%, you will experience the blessing of God. Here's what God's word tells us in Proverbs chapter 3. These first few verses you know and you love, uh, beginning with verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. We love those verses. We embroider them and your grandmother might have had that, you know, put on a, in a, one of those looped sewing things. What do you call that? Cross stitch in, in, your, in her bathroom. And, and, and you know that part of it. But the very next verse says, do not be wise in your own eyes Fear the Lord and shun evil, or respect, or have all for the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. And then he says this, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your crops. And then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. 22 years ago, over 22 years ago, when Carrie and I got married, we decided that if, even if we were in debt with student loans and car payments and credit cards, that we were never going to be in debt to God. It was a decision that we made that no matter whether we had it or whether we didn't, that we were always going to give God that 10%. And now we're to the place, and I'm not bragging, I just want you to know, because I hear so many preachers preach this kind of stuff, sow your $10,000 seed today and blah, 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 and and you wonder, like, well, are they being sacrificial in their giving? I'm, this is not to brag. This is because you need a leader that you can follow. We are at the place the last two years we've given 20% of our income. Again, that's not bragging. That's just saying that, 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 you know, people will come up to me and they'll say, well, don't you know that the tithe is an Old Testament principle? I no longer live under the law. I live under grace, and so I don't have to give anymore. You know, tithing actually happened before the law. 600 years before the law, which was given to Moses when there was a nation of Israel, Abraham, the father of our faith, tithed to Melchizedek. And then his grandson, Jacob, did the same thing. He tithed. And we see tithing Jesus as a Jew would have tithed. In fact, Jesus said this in, in um, oh goodness, where am I at? Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. Jesus says, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Hypocrites. And he's speaking, to a, he's speaking to an attitude or a motivation of the religious leaders that just thought that they were so much better than everybody else. And he's calling them out in their hypocrisy. He says, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. And so people look at that and they go, oh, Jesus is saying you don't have to tithe. And gee, that's not what he says, because if you keep going, he says, you should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. In other words, tithing isn't the end-all, be-all, but it's part of a spiritual discipline. In tithing, by tithing, you're not going to go to heaven. This is not a heaven or hell issue. 
The heaven or hell issue is, have I humbled myself and admitted that I need the forgiveness of God because I've sinned against God? And that his forgiveness has come to me through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I put my faith in Jesus and I've asked Jesus to forgive me and be the master and leader of my life. If I've done that, I, don't, I have an assurance of being with Jesus forever and eternity. What we're talking about, this isn't a heaven or hell issue. This is an issue of obedience. This is an issue of following God and following his ways. And experiencing the fruitfulness that he has for me right here in this life. So if we're looking at Habits that lead to financial freedom, the fourth habit is paying God first, saying, God, I want you to get the first fruits of my income. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 19, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. And you and I just need to make a, determined, a determination that we are going to give God the first fruits. Just like you're here this morning because you believe in first fruits. You're giving the first few hours of the first day of the week to God. That's why we gather on Sunday mornings. Did you know that? We're saying with the first day of the week, with the first few hours that I'm awake, I'm giving this time to you, God. We need to do the same thing in our finances. So... When we look at the 100% of our income, we pay ta tax, which, by the way, is way more than what we give to God, and we don't even think twice about it because we just do it automatically. We've been trained to do it automatically since we started working. And then we give to God, and then the, another habit that we're going to talk about is paying yourself second. And what, what I would submit to you and so many other financial planners, and you can have a difference in thought on this, is that it's, it's the same that we give 10% to God, that we take 10% and we save it. So maybe this is a savings account, maybe it's emergency savings at first, maybe it's retirement, however you want to define this, that there's 10% that goes to savings. By the way, students, you guys up in this front row, maybe you think that this isn't for you. If you guys started doing this from the first day that you get money, your life will be so much better than so many of us in this room. So this, this isn't, this isn't uh, oh, I don't have to pay attention, I'm not an adult. This is like, if you guys got this, there's so many of us in this room that go, oh my goodness, if I would have gotten that when I was in middle school, oh, it'd be so much easier, right? So, so save second. Here's, here's what scripture says about saving. In Proverbs chapter 6, beginning with verse 6, take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Well, I don't like that. I don't like scripture calling me a lazy bone. Okay, that's what it says. Learn from their ways and become wise. We're supposed to actually learn from cre creation. We're supposed to watch the ants and go, huh, maybe they got something to teach me. He says, though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer gathering food for the winter. But you lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. Listen, you and I have to realize we need to build up reserves. Because Murphy will come a-knocking. When I just uh, a year ago bought new tires for my for Toyota. And when I bought those tires, the salesman didn't say, listen, I got a deal for you. These are the last tires that you will ever need to buy. He didn't say that. 
He told me how long you know, I can expect and there's a guarantee for so many miles and blah, blah, blah. But though, I'm going to have to buy new tires eventually. Probably for not, not for that vehicle. <laughs> when you buy an appliance, you, you buy a, a dishwasher. No salesman is going to say, this is the last dishwasher you will ever need to buy. But you know what? We pretend as if emergencies aren't going to happen when emergencies happen to everybody. So I was, reading, I was reading about finances recently, and they said the average American, if they have to replace all four tires, don't have the financial reserves to be able to do that. And so what do we do? We go further into debt, which we're going to talk about in a moment. If we would commit to saving 10% of everything that we earn, when emergencies happen, it doesn't cause stress in your marriage. You go, oh, that stinks. Thank God we got some money in savings that we can take care of it. And you go on with your life. Can you imagine that kind of financial freedom, that kind of financial peace? If we would just follow the ways of God when it comes to saving? Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20 says, In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all that he has. Let me read that one again. In the house of the who? In the house of the wise. We want to be wise, right? We don't want to be foolish. I pity the fool. That was an age thing. I just wanted to see who is what age in this room. In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil. But a who? A foolish person, a foolish man devours all he has. What does that mean? That as soon as I get a paycheck, I just spend it all. I devour all that I have. And then when I have an emergency, I'll put on Facebook, hey, could you donate to my website for buying new tires for my car? Some of you need to take a Sharpie marker and write Proverbs 21.20 on your credit card. Listen, what if instead of when you make, when you make more money, you get a raise? What if you didn't raise your standard of living until you pay attention to savings? So early on in our marriage, one of the first things when we, I told you about uh, Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University, one of the first things that, that he tells you to do is get $1,000 in a savings account. And Carrie and I, man, we were ruthless about that. We didn't eat out. We didn't order any pizza. We were living on rice and beans and bologna sandwiches. We got $1,000 in savings. And can I tell you, just doing that, there was now financial peace and for just a thousand, just having a thousand dollars in savings in addition to giving, in addition to we were paying our taxes, there was now financial freedom. Some of you, if you could just do that, if you could just decide that I'm going to, we're just going to, we're going to pinch every single penny until we can get some money in savings, it would be a remarkable thing. So if you're doing the math so far, how much percent was taxes and how much percent was giving? And how much percent was saving? Okay, I need a math major in this room to tell me what we're left with. I believe it's 52%. Is that right? So 10, 20, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 51, 52. We're left with 52% to live on, right? Is that correct? You guys with me? 
that sounds like such a small percent to live on, right? Like, I started with 100%, and now you're telling me I can only live on 52% of it? It sounds so hard, but I'm telling you, if you will, if you will pay your taxes, and if you will give to the Lord the 10%, and if you will save 10%, and if you will get into this habit and begin to do this, especially if you're starting from zero, I'm saying you can do this. You can do this. It'll be hard. You might not be able to have HBO Max and Netflix and Disney Plus and all the other things. You might, you might not be able to drive the best vehicles and the newest vehicles. You might not have all the bells and the whistles. But I'm telling you if, you, if you, if you will do these things, you will be able to live and you will have peace. And, and you can't give a dollar amount for peace. Most of us in this room can do this. There are a few exceptions. Some of you, right now, with what you're making, th this actually is impossible. And so either you've got to figure out a way to, to raise the income. Some of you are, need to get into financial peace, which we're starting a week from this coming Tuesday, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But the, the reason why most of us won't do this, even though we can do this, there's a few exceptions, but most of us can do this. The reason why most of us won't do this is because we don't want to start thinking like a manager. And we don't want to start doing hard, honest work, picking up maybe a temporary second job or a gig job or something on the side. We, do, we don't want to keep track of our money. That's too much work. I just want to be free. I just want to be able to spend the way I want to spend. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 12 says, A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on. And what? suffers the consequences. There's one more habit that I want to share with you today. And unfortunately, it's the habit that wrecks all of this. Or if we, well, this wrecks all of this. What is this? What is this? Right? The habit is avoiding debt, which sounds like some of you are going, as if. Can I, just, can I just tell you from personal experience, this is possible. Now, I'm not talking about reasonable debt. I'm not talking about a reasonable home mortgage where it's within your parameters and your ability. You're not buying more house than you should have. I'm not talking about reasonable debt. I'm talking about all the debt that is killing Americans. So what is happening is right now the average American from their 100% that they make are giving 22 to 30% of their pay to debt. And you want to know where it comes from for followers of Jesus first? It comes from their giving. It comes from their savings. And then it begins to eat into their living because you got to pay your taxes or you'll go to jail. So, so here, here's what ends up happening, and this is why one of our, one of our middle school and high school students to pay attention. So many of the adults in this room have gotten so wrapped up in the debt that we feel like we can't give to God, and we can't save. And because we can't save and we don't have an emergency savings account, when something breaks, what do we do? Give even more into debt. And a lot of us in this room have gotten into debt for silly things. Department store credit cards. 
which are credit cards like Target and Kohl's, you would not believe the amount of debt in America because of not necessary things. We're not, you're not buying appliances at Kohl's. Well, I guess you can buy an air fryer. I'm not talking about the things that you need. We, we have just gotten so accustomed to, I'll just charge it, I'll just charge it. And what happens is it, it wrecks all of this. I'm here to tell you that you can get out of debt. But it'll be the hardest work that you've ever put into your finances. When, Car- when Carrie and I got married, I mean, we had student loans, we had car payments, we... It just felt unsurmountable, and we just decided early on we were going to live like no one else, as Dave Ramsey says, so that we can live like no one else. I'm going to live like no one else now, so someday I can live like no one else, because right now everybody's broke, and I don't want to be broke. So we started, I mean, we pinched every penny. To this day, there's still some of that that lingers, and I try to overcome that, but man, it was coupons for everything. Carrie was a coupon queen back in the day. Now they're virtual coupons, right? I mean, she was cutting all the coupons. Listen, to this day, both of our vehicles are over 10 years old, and both of them have over 100,000 miles on them, but we don't have a car payment. We don't have a car payment. So we actually have more money to be able to live on. And yeah, my car makes weird noises at times. But I've got peace. I've got peace. I don't know where that came from. I guess it was over here. And all the debt that we have is our, our home mortgage. That is reasonable. We can live on it. I'm telling you. When you follow God's ways, at first you go, oh, that's impossible. And I'll tell you, the first three months that you try to live like this, it will be the hardest thing that you've done. It'll be so hard. We're used to eating out. It's so quiet in this room right now. We're used used to when I'm stressed and I'm going to go to the store and buy stuff. I remember once I was walking with Carrie's, Carrie's grandmother. We were walking through the mall. This was in Pittsburgh. Carrie worked at Build a Bear in Pittsburgh. And, uh. This was eons ago, right? And so we're all proud to take Carrie's grandma into the mall, and we're walking around the mall, and she passed away a number of years ago, but Carrie's grandmother looked around, and she said something that blew me away. She goes, none of this stuff is necessary. We're looking at the perfume store and the candle store and the Build-A-Bear workshop and all the, and she's in the food court and all, and she just says, none of this stuff is necessary. And we're like, yeah, you're kind of right, First three months trying to live this way, it's next to impossible. But I'm telling you, if you will persevere, first three years is hard. But you can do this. Now, there's a voice in your head saying, nope. So far in, let's just, let's just go for broke. Let's just, let's just go. And that's why a third of Americans are in some kind of bankruptcy process. Let's just, we were already in the hole. Let's just dig it further, baby. What if you just started trying to get out of that hole? Little by little. So maybe, maybe you feel like you can't give the full tithe. You just start doing what you, we're, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're not going to be extravagant in our lifestyle, and we're just going to start giving to God what we can, and we're going to start saving what we can, and we're going to start ripping away at that debt until we can get to a place where this is how our money looks. It'd be extraordinary. I don't even know where I'm at in my notes. 
when I'm thinking about borrowing money, I need to do some inner examination. I need to think about my motivations because a lot of us, when it comes to borrowing money, it's based on greed and lack of self-control and impatience. Like our five-year-old self comes out, I want it and I want it now, right? Debt can also keep us from experiencing God's miraculous provisions. There's been times in our marriage where, in fact, there was a time where one of our vehicles stopped working and, and we were living this way. And we were like, all right, God, we've been tithing. We've been doing this stuff, but we just didn't feel like we, we, we had money in savings, but it was just a drop of what we would need. And God miraculously provided, with nobody knowing about our vehicle situation, God gave us a vehicle like that. What was that, like 15 years ago? That was pretty early on in our marriage. We prayed. We didn't just immediately go to a dealership and say, well, I guess we're going to have to get a car loan. I guess we're going to have to do all this. We just started praying. And you know what? God provided. We got to see God's provision. We have so many stories of God's provision because we would say, God, we're going to depend on you. Instead of just taking matters into our own hands and charging it, God, we're going to believe that you're going to come through. And every single time God came through. I have so many stories when we started Journey Church. We moved here and we decided to buy $1,000 in bottled waters to hand out at the county fair. We didn't even have it. We started praying and got, there was a $1,000 check that came in the mail from a guy we never met in Pittsburgh. Just said, hey, been thinking about you guys. Here's 1000 bucks. Okay, that's not my thing. But I wanted to read this to you. Isaiah 55, verse 8. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. I think we limit ourselves when it comes to our finances because we're thinking like everybody else instead of thinking like God. That keeps us from the priorities of paying God first and paying ourselves second. And this is why probably the average American born-again Christian gives just 2.43% of their income total. So this is not just church, charities, other organizations, total. God doesn't, God wants us to look different than the world. And when we do things God's way, there is so much freedom and peace that comes upon us. And I want that for you. I want that for you. Next week, we're going to talk about a seventh habit, which really is a linchpin to all of this. Some of you might not want to come back when you hear what we're going to be talking about next week. We're going to be talking about contentment. See, we, we can't do all of this if we're buying the message of the world, which we'll talk about next week. The world is spending some major money to get you to live in discontent. Trillions of dollars, spoiler alert, is being spent to make you discontent so you will buy their product. Contentment, but, but here's the, if you can get this in your mind, this picture in your mind of this is what God has, you can do it. With his empowerment, making sacrifices, we've got a really good um, black bean recipe. Literally, a Dominican gave it to us. You can eat cheap. Black beans and rice is actually really good. <laughs> You may have to make some sacrifices, but you can do it. 
and the peace that comes along. I'm telling you, this is what God wants for you. This is why Jesus talked about stewardship issues so much. Because at the end of the day, it's, he wants peace for you. He wants freedom for you. And he wants you to have some reserves that you can reach out. I, I love it when there's a, situ, a, a circumstance that comes in and, and, and I can say, you know what? Let's talk about it. We got money. Let's do it. I'll give you an example. Um, so this was, Julia, you're back there. Well, was this about two, three weeks ago that we got this message from Julia back here? Is, she's hardly ever in here, which is awesome. Would you stand so we can see you? Julia Robinson is our Kidsman Director. And you can sit down now. And with, she's awesome. She's usually not in here because she's back with the kids. And she also directs our BGMC. She's actually directed our BGMC even when Pastor Megan was here. BGMC is Boys and Girls Missionary Challenge. And so we get, uh, we're part of a network of churches in the state of Ohio, and, and, and we, you know, we're not the only ones giving to this. In fact, BGMC is an international thing where kids give their money to support missions. It's incredible. It's been around since we were kids. I remember having a little wooden barrel and putting my coins in there as a little kid and giving to BGMC. Well, a couple weeks ago, we were contacted by our state director, the state BGMC director, and she said, we have a special project that we want you guys to be a participant in. And I said, oh, all right, tell me about the special project. And the project is in Tanzania, which will put, I, Riley, I'm going all the way back to the beginning of the sermon notes. Yeah, you got it right there. Yep. Go. So that's Tanzania. This is kind of South Africa. In Tanzania, and j this is very common for this part of the world, so it's not unique to Tanzania, that girls only get primary education. It's the only kind of education that parents can afford or that states are able to offer. Primary education would be equivalent to our elementary school, right? So at 10, 11 years old, these girls are done with primary education and the parents can't support them anymore. And so at best, they get married at 10 or 11 years old. And at worst, I'll let your imagination go wild with that one. And so these churches in Tanzania have said, hey, we want to step into the gap and start providing secondary education to these girls in Tanzania. And we're like, all right. So for $80,000, they can build a school and it will fund the school for a year to provide education, secondary education to these girls, which would be the equivalent of our middle school, maybe even into high school. So I'm listening to this. I'm going, okay, $80,000, that's cool. And she said, so here's the cool thing. We have a donor who has approached us and said that if we as a state can raise $40,000, that he will match it. But you have until the end of October. His matching gift will only go through the end of October. So they said, so we're calling some of our, you know, churches that, that are behind us and that get this and wondering if you guys can make a commitment ahead of time. So I'm like, ooh, well, maybe we can do $2,000. And I, I call Julie up, or I think we were emailing I told Julia about the whole project, and she goes, let me pray about it. She gets back with me, and she goes, I think we need to do $5,000. I said, well, we're giving $5,000. We just did $5,000 to Mission of Hope for the meals that we packed, so we just took that out of our missions account. And, I, you know, I don't know, like, that's, that's a big, and she goes, I'm telling you, it'll be our biggest noisy offering ever. Because October 30th is our noisy offering. We do that four times a year. We ask you guys to help us out. So I'm like, all right, let's do this. And then she says, and Patrick and I have been talking, and we will do $300. So Carrie and I are sitting on a couch, and we're hearing this, and we're like, well, if Patrick and Julia can do $300, 
we'll do $300. And then I did the math, and if 15 other individuals or couples will do $300, that actually puts us over. So here, here's, here's this, is, this is exactly what I'm talking about. When you, when you save, now you have reserves where when a need comes across, you can't just have good intentions. Oh, I'll pray for you. You're actually, you have some reserves where you can say, hey, we got more than our emergency fund right now. Yeah, we, we'll put $300 into that. God's prompted our hearts. We want to not just pray and have good intentions. We want to be doers, right? And so here, here's kind of... the. This is all, we did not plan this, okay? I don't, man, these people are manipulative with their money. That the Robinsons, I love this, they decided as a family that they weren't going to eat out for the whole month of October. Is this correct? The whole month of October so they can do this. Yeah. So there is sacrifice. Yeah, yeah, it's not like they just went back to one of their money trees in their backyard and no. pulled off a couple hundred dollar bills. <laughs> so so here, here's the challenge. October 30th is coming up, and we, we actually have to have this in the mail in order for it to be matched. But our $5,000 will actually become $10,000. And there's several other churches that have committed to this. And by the end of October, collectively, we will have $80,000 to start a girls' school in Tanzania. And scores of girls will be able to get an education instead of being forced into marriage or forced into other things. And when I look at my daughters, I think it's a good investment. Because <laughs> I would just do stupid things for that $300. So, okay, this is not manipulation. If you don't feel it at all or you don't feel, then you're cool. Because God will move on the right people's hearts to make this happen. But if you can do it, we would just challenge you. When we do our noisy offering on October 30th and the kids go around with their buckets, bring in some change because that makes them happy and it's clunky and it's loud and, the, and, and that's fun, right? But I want this to be the biggest unnoisiest offering ever <laughs> because it's going to be online giving. And when you online give, you can just give it right to BGMC or it's going to be cash or it's going to be checks. And in your checks, you would mark that it's going to BGMC. But I think we can do this. In fact, I'm pretty sure that God's going to make this happen. And if there's more, more money, then we'll, we'll give it to other projects through BGMC. Um, or if they still need money, if other churches don't collect theirs, we'll, um, we'll help the other churches out. But um, together, we're able to make a difference. But it starts, it starts with this. Because otherwise, I, I, I remember when I wasn't living this way. I remember when I wasn't saving and I would have, oh, man, I'd love to be able to help. I, I literally can't. I can't. There's no other place to take it from. There's so much freedom when we live the way that the wisdom literature of Scripture directs us to live. I've rambled long enough. Would you stand to your feet? So, Heavenly Father, I speak over my brothers and sisters in this room. God, I pray let faith arise. I rebuke and renounce every lie of Satan that would right now be saying, I could never. I can never live that way. That'll never be my story. I'm always going to be in debt. I'm never going to be able to get out of this. We can't give like that. There's no way we can afford it. 
God, I just rebuke and renounce those lies in Jesus' name. Let faith arise, oh God. Let people believe that you have better for them. And as they step out and take some risks and do and, and live like no one else and make some sacrifices, God, I thank you that you would bless them. Somebody in this room is going to test you in, in tithing. They've never tithed before. And God, they're going to they're test you. God, I thank you that you already promised that you'll provide. So we just thank you for your provision. I pray over our offerings this morning, God, that every penny that's given would be spent with integrity, with wisdom, that we would bless the nations and we bless our own community right here because of the faithfulness of these givers. And God, that there would be blessing upon those that are giving as well. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody says...